conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Conserving Beauty, Natasia Nicolaou. Natasia, 28 years old and a qualified biochemist, spent the first years of her career immersed in the beauty industry, working across brands like Swiss and Elle McPherson's Wellco, counting the latter as a valued mentor. Following her time at Swiss, Natasia was one of only five offered a position at private equity fund The Foundry, a fund that exists to support the next wave of beauty brand founders. Moving to what was, in essence, a startup was a risk, but Natasia took it upon herself to learn every facet of the business and, in her words, soak up everything she could. By 2021, Natasia had been working in the beauty industry for around six years and had begun to wonder if there was anything she could contribute to the space that would make both it and the planet as a whole better. She mapped out the life cycle of a beauty product and realised that there was a water footprint involved in literally every step of the supply chain. Knowing that water is a finite resource and that most beauty products contain between 70 and 90% water, she asked herself, if you take water out, what are you left with? As Natasia explains, what you're left with is the good stuff. Natasia launched Conserving Beauty, Australia's first waterless beauty brand, in 2021. Conserving Beauty is the first beauty brand globally to be part of the Water Footprint Network and is the first Australian beauty brand to be backed by both government and impact investment funds. April of this year saw yet another Conserving Beauty innovation reach the public in the form of the brand's InstaMelt technology, a patent and fabric technology that has allowed the brand to develop the world's first dissolving facial wipes and sheet masks with even more innovation set to hit shelves very soon. In this conversation, Natasia shares why she believes taking on every job from the ground up is essential for future brand founders, what it truly means to take on external investment, and precisely how her brand ensures water conservation is considered at every single step of the supply chain. have a Bachelor of Science. Your career thus far has been very much rooted in beauty and wellness, but I want to take it right back as far as we possibly can. Okay. What is your earliest memory of beauty? Oof. I feel like my earliest memory of beauty would have probably been stealing my older sister's stuff out of her drawer and whacking it on my face and having no idea what I was doing. I like that we've got a confession in the first 30 seconds. Oh, You'll have 20,000 confessions <laughs> throughout the hour. Um, yeah, I definitely used to do a little sneaky. I'd go into the drawer. I feel like I'd just take things, mismash, put them on my face, yep. walk out, and she'd probably be like, what are you doing? <laughs> You've gone into my drawer and you look like a clown. Um, I was about to say, did she know or will she be hearing this for the first time? But I guess if you've I think she'll know. I think anyone with an older sister has dabbled in their wardrobe or their their drawers before but then I feel like my proper first yep. memory I would have been 12 I went to the Mecca Cosmetica on Turak Road their very first store not the one now the yeah. one that was you know directly across the station from the train yep 
And I just remember walking in being like, holy moly, this is a wonderland. And I bought my very first NARS Laguna Bronzer way back when. And I think that was like when I experienced the true mecha magic moment. And I knew. So full circle. Yeah. So full full circle. circle. I know. What did you think you might be when you grew up? I think I've had 20 different ideas all throughout my time. There was a period where I really wanted to be a pediatrician, Mm. which was like one of the reasons why I got down the science road. Yeah. But then I really thought about, like, I've always loved the beauty industry. Yeah. And I thought how cool if I could unite like my nerdy side with my conscious side, with my passion for beauty. And how do I do that? Maybe I'll go down the research pathway or like a quality assurance or regulatory side of beauty. Mm -hmm. Then I worked out that... Actually, I wanted to create something on my own throughout the journey of Mm. my career. But yeah. So you obviously studied science after high school. I did. A lot of scope there, though. Did you already know specifically, like within the science umbrella, which direction you wanted to head in? Or is that something that came sort of as you were studying and working? Yeah, as I was studying. I don't think like everyone's had all the answers. Like in high school, I studied... I did chem and bio in year 12 yeah. plus math methods and I did special maths in year 11. Uh-huh. So always super nerdy. You've I was always the opposite odd one out. subjects to me. Mine yeah. was like English, English literature. No, I was always media. so bad, so bad. And do you know what's funny? I was always like the worst one in the class. <laughs> like I by no means would say I'm the smartest one. I was always the one that had to work 10 times harder to try and keep up with all the geniuses in go. the room. Always, always. At one point, actually, you'll I think about it often now, my... Year 11 chem teacher said to me at one point, Natasha, I really don't think you can keep up with the workload. Oh. You're dropping behind and, you know, I recommend like not doing this. Oh, always good to hear from a fan. Right, in my parent teacher and my parents said, they're so great. They were like, what do you mean? Natasha, do you want to do this? I was like, yeah, I really want to do this. Mm-hmm. I actually love chemistry. And they were like, right, she's doing it. <laughs> and that's that. And we will find a way to make it work. And they're like, yep. study harder. And I did. And it turned out that was my best subject. There you go. And at the end, she was like, we did it. And I was like, no, I did it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the vote of confidence. (laughs) (laughs) If I listened to you, I wouldn't have done it. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. But then I guess knowing that you had to work harder at it, I feel like the magic in anything kind of happens when you are asking questions. That's right. Like that's when you can get more from yeah and it's okay to not know everything and it's okay to not be the best and try and work so hard at something Mm. to make it happen for yourself I feel like that's what my parents always told me and that's kind of stayed true with me oh we've got some nuggets already (laughs) I would love to hear more about your career between completing your studies and before launching conserving beauty I've read that you were working across product development ethical sourcing supply chain even sales and marketing for brands like Swiss and Wellco. Yes. I would love to hear more about that time. What were you doing? So random. So when I was at university, I was actually a boost juice girl, if anyone. Oh, yes. you were cool. Was I? Used I, to look I at, as a muffin break girl, I used to look at boost juice girls and be like, man, they're having a good time. That's so funny. Oh. Do you know what? I actually did. I had the best time. I started there, worked my way up to manage us. So I was managing the yeah. store. And then, because, you know, always on the hustle, then because I did all the banking with ANZ, um, they ended up asking me to come join their team. They were like, you would be so great to work in banking. You've just got, you know, that great right attitude and work ethic and we'd love to have you. So Mm -hmm. halfway through my university degree, I moved to ANZ. Wow. So I did like telling and personal banking. Yeah. So random, so different. And at the time I was studying science, I was majoring in biochem and I was like, oh, do I... Do I minor in finance? Maybe I go down this road. Maybe I, you know, go go down like a grad program. 
And then I was like, no, it's just, it's not me. <laughs> yeah. It's not me. And that's okay. Um, so when a grad role popped up at Swiss mm-hmm. Wellness at the time, very, very cool multivitamin. I think they were still number one at that time. Amazing. There would have been maybe like 60 people that worked there. Wow. So I applied, got into the grad program, got into the operations side. I had no idea what that meant. I remember on my yep. first day, they were like, oh, you know, like I'm the head of procurement and this is the procurement team. And I went to my desk and literally had to Google procurement. Yep. I didn't even know what that meant. Siri, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Why can't mm-hmm. we just say buying? Yeah. But, you know, anyway, so I started to um, work within the buying and operations team and I thought, okay, it's a great pathway in to ultimately work for one of more of the science streams. So maybe I'll go down eventually and move into a research and development or like regulatory or quality. Mm-hmm. But then because I started in operations, I genuinely fell in love with the entire process of creating a product. Mm-hmm. And I got a walk. Yeah, it was so brilliant. And I thought, wow, this is actually so cool. You can trace ingredients all the way back to the farm gate. You can work with your raw material suppliers and really bring something to life. And so I ended up thriving in operations, loving it and thought, no, I'm not going to go down, you know, the research pathway. I think this is more me. And then I got to work because the operations team works so closely with the innovation team to bring products to life. Mm-hmm. I got to work on product development. We relaunched all the skincare SKUs. I was a huge part of that. Wow. And then I was there for years. I had like four different jobs over the couple of years that I was there. Amazing. Amazing. Loved it. Very lucky to work super closely with the COO at the time and the mm. director of procurement. So I had like direct in because I was like part assistant to them. And at the time, again, everyone looked at me and were like, oh, you really need to drop your side of assisting. Like you've got to give it off to someone else and really focus on what you're doing. And I was like, what do you mean? I get to work directly with the smartest people in the room. I get to go to all of their meetings. I get to lap it up. And while you are laughing at me, taking minutes and notes and whatever, I'm learning. Yes. And that's all I care about. I didn't care about like the short term wins or like the quick pay rises. I cared about like really taking it in because I knew from then that I was going to do something one day and there's no better way to create something if you actually have a great understanding of how to run a business how to create a proper product how to make ethical decisions yeah so that was the start amazing I hope that there are I guess maybe young people listening to this because so many people I went back to my old high school not that long ago and they were like okay so we decide what we want to do and then that is the job that we do. No, but no, you've no. got to do all of these other things and soak it up. Right. Like if I told my high school self, I'm in operations and ethical sourcing, they'd be like, what does what that do you mean? mean? Yeah. Where do you even study that? What is that? Oh. Um, or like people will just judge you along the way if you're doing like the schlepping yeah. jobs. And I'm like, this is what it takes. Oh. I couldn't care less. I had no ego. I just wanted to learn. I so, that. And thank God I did, by the way, because mm. then when the – founding family of Swiss they sold the business yes I stayed with Swiss for a while they took a a sabbatical um like a break Mm -hmm. and then the founding family along with the CFO Mike Tempinto at the time they decided to take some of the money that they made and start their own family office and a fund Mm -hmm. that would then invest in like the next wave of brilliant founders in Uh beauty and wellness yes and so I was lucky to be one of five to go with them one of five one of five Woo. I know. I think back now going, actually, that's really cool. It's amazing. At the time, though, again, at the time I was getting offered a promotion at Swiss and friends and family said to me, you should not go take this 
random job. You should take your promotion and your pay rise and stay. And I thought, no way. I'm going to go work with these brilliant people who are the kindest, most generous, amazing people. And I'm going to learn the ropes and I'm going to work with other founders and learn a completely different side of business. And that's the path I'm going down. And thank God I did one of the best decisions I ever made in my career. Amazing. Yeah. So it was in 2021 that you launched your own brand. But at what point was it? We were talking before we started recording. These things don't just happen overnight. No. At what point did you begin to think about developing your own brand? What was the gap that you wanted to fill? The real point where I was like, okay, I'm 100% going to do something on my own was that point when I was leaving Swiss and Mm -hmm. going with the foundry. And I said in my interview with them, I one day want to create something that will disrupt the beauty industry that will do something Mm -hmm. completely different and really solve a problem and somehow unite impact with beauty. And they said to me, amazing, come on the journey. You're in the right place. Yeah, they were like, amazing, come on the journey and we'll help you and teach you things. And thank God I did. So that was the point where I knew. And then over that kind of five years while I was at the Foundry, working on so many different brands, I did lots of different secondments for businesses like Welco, which you mentioned before. Um, I was really lucky to be given opportunities to learn different sides of the business or work on high stress, you know, big challenges that we had to solve. And the the entire process and the entire time I was there, they knew. And so I was really afforded so many great opportunities to learn. Don't get me wrong. I was hustling. I was working like six days a week. I had no life. Call me on a Saturday morning and call me at 9pm at night, you know. So it wasn't all smooth sailing, but I put in the work to learn, definitely. I'm all about like setting boundaries around work, but in the early days, but oh. you just can't. I mean, I wish. For my team, I really do set the boundaries. Yes. Like I make mental notes not to text people, not to ask yeah. people anything late at night. And I will write myself my own list yes. to catch up with them in the morning. But for whatever reasons, I don't do that to myself, which is probably my own detriment. I really should. But You'll get there. Not there yet. <laughs> The first step is admitting it. I'm not there yet. So you've talked about how you wanted to disrupt the industry. The point of difference with your brand is that sort of everything you're doing comes back to water conservation. Right. This is such a huge question. But why is water conservation, specifically water, so important? Yeah. When I started to properly think about, you know, what is the solution? What's the idea? What's actually going to help? I mapped an entire product life cycle from start to finish and Mm -hmm. I was really critically looking at stages to be like, how do you reduce your impact? How do you make like better decisions Mm -hmm. to make more conscious choices? And when doing that, it was so obvious that I couldn't believe I hadn't thought of it before. But there is a water footprint involved at every single stage of a supply chain Mm -hmm. from when you grow an ingredient, harvest, extract, manufacture, process, even produce packaging or transport. Everything has a water footprint. And we as a beauty industry have become so heavily reliant on water. We use Mm. it as often the main ingredient in most of our products. That's why, you know, pick up a product, most of them say aqua. aqua. Yeah. And that's because, you know, most products are filled with 70% water, Mm. mainly because it's a really great cheap solvent or, you know, you do need water when you're choosing water-soluble actives, which is fine. There's, you know, nothing wrong with that, but it's not necessarily in there for a direct benefit. And I just thought, well, growing up in Australia... I think we can all remember a time where water conservation has been 
like the top of our minds with yeah. time showers. We've had oh, restrictions I, on, you know, when we had the staggered watering of the garden, that's like right. the odd numbers and the even numbers. That's right. I remember that so vividly. remember that so clearly. I remember my parents used to always be like, get out of the shower, two minute mm. showers, always. The first summer where we couldn't have the sprinkler yep. on, devastating. Devastating. And so I kind of went down this pathway of, well, you know, why do we not actually talk about water mm. conservation? Water is our most precious finite resource, right? We as a as a global um, population, we depend so much on water because mm. everything we use, make and sell has a water footprint and we can't grow any more water. We've only got a tiny amount of water actually to sustain everybody. So while everybody is talking about, you know, waste footprints and carbon mm. footprints, which are equally important, sure. why are we not conserving our most precious resource that's crazy so yeah. I started to really think about that and I started to think about well if you take water out of products what are you left with well you don't need um preservatives because you know bacteria grows in moisture you don't need fragrances I don't use palm oil or palm derived ingredients we can just give the customers the good stuff is what yeah. I call it but the stuff that's actually going to directly benefit your skin and so that was kind of when I was like oh waterless is more, more for our formulas, more for, you know, our planet, more for our skin. And that was kind of the juncture of deciding to go into water conservation within beauty. So conserving beauty is entirely water-free, which yes. just blows my mind. You've mentioned that most products contain something like 70%, I think it's up yeah, to 90% up to 90, water. Yeah, depending on the formula. Without revealing more than you can. Right. How is it possible to create waterless products it's really hard to be <laughs> that to be. makes sense <laughs> <laughs> it's hard it's, it's obviously more expensive too which I think yeah is you know limiting factors for other other businesses mm. but I mean the process of creating waterless formulations that also mimic textures that we as consumers are comfortable with is yeah. tricky because when you're waterless you know you've got things like oils or solid balms or powders but how do you create other things like creams oh. and you know certain masks and gels and whatever that we're used to using yeah. and is still amazing and effective so that was that was hard I mean we spent two years formulating the first suede of products mm-hmm. and you know thank god we did put so much time effort and resource but one thing I will say is yes we've taken water out of the products but that was one decision we also responsibly manage our water footprint throughout the entire supply chain. You've given me the perfect segue perfect because I was segue. going to ask. And by the way, sorry if I go on 20 tangents. Feel free Never apologise for a tangent <laughs> ever, ever. We are nipping that habit in the bud yeah. today. I did want to ask about because so so the brand is water responsible, I yes. think is the best turn of phrase, and that does extend into the supply chain. I would love to That's hear right. more about how you manage it. Right. So when I came up with the concept of, okay, water conservation and beauty, how do I really make an impact and how do I measure it and how do I set tangible numbers around everything I'm doing so that we can actually make a true impact? Mm. So I was lucky to get onto the Water Footprint Network. They are the leaders mm. in water footprint, so like globally yeah. in the Netherlands. The founder actually defined the term water footprint. He defined what it was. And so I thought no better people to get in business with than them mm. and so we've been leading a custom research project for a really long time over a year I'd say mm-hmm. supposed to go for six months but no. you know yeah. um <laughs> from so we're mapping our exact water footprint for every single product from when we grow an ingredient right wow. through to when it gets to our warehouse and so along the way we'll be able to show you our water footprint mm. and how much water we save in each product so it's not just 
oh, these products don't have water in it. It's like, no, we've responsibly chosen ingredients that have a smaller water footprint. Or we've got irrigation systems in place with some of our, you know, ingredient suppliers. We've got a wastewater treatment with our local manufacturer, so they recycle their water and treat it. Mm. So there are things that you can put in place along the way to actively reduce your water footprint and then being able to transparently show our community, Mm. hey, guys, thank you so much for supporting our products. And by the way, this is how much water you've been able to save. Yeah, amazing. Wow. That water footprint network, I think it's worth noting for anyone that's not across it, you're the first beauty brand globally to be a part of that network. Yes, we are, which is great. Unbelievable. It's exciting. I think it's cool. I think hopefully it will, you know, help inspire other brands to responsibly manage their water footprint. Mm. I would love nothing more than to see everybody measuring their water footprint rather than simply just their carbon footprint or waste footprint. So, yes, very exciting. Lots more to come, though. I'm not surprised. So you've got the idea, you've you've found the problem, you want to create the solution. Where did you begin, though? It's one thing to have the idea, but then how do you find the manufacturer? Yeah. How do you find, you know, investors? You can't just click cool. your fingers and, you know, ta-da, money. Yeah. Decide on the packaging. Like, there are so, so many, many steps. Things. So many steps. And, by the way, so many mistakes I've made along the way. Yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who hasn't? I mean, I started working on my idea very start of 2020 pre-COVID and then COVID happened yes it did which threw a spanner in the works because I was like wow am I am I really gonna do this Mm -hmm. I was working so hard you know my other job obviously and I kept Mm -hmm. my other job the entire time pretty much bringing this to life because so you haven't slept in two and a half years right I've been working seven days for two and a half years perfect that's okay I do love what I do (laughs) you look great thank you I look tired my family often reminds me you look tired Um, yeah, so I used to get up every morning at five mm-hmm. and I would do a few hours before my work day. I would have my work day and then at night I'd stay up until midnight and be absolutely obsessive business planning, mm-hmm. formulating. How am I going to bring this to life? Drawing out packaging, custom tooling, like mm. so many things, sourcing ingredients. And the the side of um, my experience has obviously been deep-rooted in operations and supply chain and product yes. development. So that actually was fun and not easy but fun for me to Mm -hmm. do right it was a great project if anything I like drop the ball on sales and marketing because I just it's not my thing I'm not a marketer I'm not a creative wizard you know that's why I've tried to hire those people but so started that process then I I was worried because I'm like okay well I don't have endless cash to do this hence I had to keep my day job yeah how do I really bring this to life and I'm gonna need a little bit of help And so I very first went to my business partner, Fed, who is Mm -hmm. also my aunt. We've Mm -hmm. worked together for many, many years. And I said, this is my idea. What do you think? And she has always been a true supporter throughout my entire career. And she said, you know what? Yeah, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It actually feels great to have somebody that's really in your corner. When everyone tells you, no, you shouldn't do something. And she said, you know what, I'm going to help you. I'll give you the very first bit of money to help you bring it off the ground and get proof of concept. Amazing. And best decision I made, Mm -hmm. shout out to Fed. And we brought the first formulas to life. Now, at that stage, that took me at least a year and business planning and mapping out how I do everything. Then at that point, I was like, okay, lots of people are telling me, A, you're not enough on your own. You need to get a co-founder because you're not a marketer and you won't know how to do this. Yeah, love. Okay. I often think about that. Okay. Yeah. B, some people said to me, are you crazy? You're going to quit your cushy job. 
not cushy, but you know, your job and take a pay cut and go down to do this. Are you insane? Yeah. I'm like, yep, not in it for the money, but cool. Other people said to me, well, you're crazy because people care about the planet, but nobody cares enough to make that a sole decision. And I'm like, you're wrong. (sighs) You're wrong. Yeah. So lots of conflicting Mm, arguments. They will be kicking themselves now. Right. And then I was like, you know what? I need to ask the best of the best in the business what they really think about this. Mm -hmm. And who better to ask than Mecca? Yes. Because if it's somebody that understands the Australian beauty landscape, it is them and what they've created over the last 25 years is epic. Full circle. Right? So I was like, I need to find my way to somebody Mm -hmm. at Mecca and see if this actually has legs. Yeah. Because I know it does, but I really wanted the validation when so many people are telling you no. Yeah. Right? So went on the journey and at that point I was working with so many beauty retailers in my day job. Mm. I was working with basically everybody else, literally everybody else in Australia – um, the US and the UK through my day job. And I was like, right, I know everyone except Mecca. Yep. How do I find someone? <laughs> you always want what you can't have. Right. And so went on a journey to try and get an introduction. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I did over time. Amazing. Met someone amazing at Mecca. Yep. And from the very first meeting, this is pre launch, by the way, this would mm-hmm. have been start of 2021. Yep. Yep. So I'd already been working on it for a year. Mm-hmm. I've took samples in. I had like a different name, a different color lid, I'd, like a slightly different look. And I just went in and said, this is my story. Yeah. This is what I'm trying to do. What do you think? Thinking they might be like, you know, come back to us in a year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really know what I was expecting, but I was hopefully expecting them to say. Keep we doing lo- what you're yeah, doing. keep doing what you're doing. Keep yeah. working on it. They were so brilliant. They said, love what you're doing. Love your story. There is, there is now is the time for a brand like yours and we want to help you. Yes. Yes. Oh. I know. I just got chills again thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> By the way, they also gave me such great advice. They were like, the, those black lids are not you. You're such a fun, vibrant brand. Think about a different color. So thank God they did say that. Um, and they gave feedback on the products and then they took the formulas away and they, you know, tested them for three months. Lots of different people in the team had to test them to make sure mm. that they were, you know, great. Yep. Which they obviously are. Yes. Um, because, of course, why would they launch a brand if, you know, Sub-par. the products aren't good? Yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, I think someone told me at Mecca that they meet with like 700 brands a year and they only launch 10. So yeah, that adds up. to be one of 10, mm. it's a true honour. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you obviously like pushed so hard to get an intro because, yeah. I mean, Joe Horgan's story is that she wanted to stock Nas yeah. and she just called them repeatedly yeah. until they were like, we will, if you stop calling us, oh. we will let you sell the products. And she was like, oh, okay. I love her. I mean, my whole thing is, I feel like the thing that I'm most proud of is that I am uber resourceful. I don't take no for an answer. I won't stop until I find a way and I don't have all the answers and I don't need to, but I will find people that do yes. and work with them. And that's like the only reason I think I've managed to get to this point. Oh, I love it. Yeah. There's probably going to be a bit of overlap here. This is such a generic question, but I'm interested in no, your please. take because you've you've literally created a category. Thank you. That that period, let's say start of 2020 right. up to launch. Yeah. What was the biggest challenge? What was the biggest takeaway? <laughs> Don't know a crazy story. Please. So by the way, so many challenges. I made <laughs> so many mistakes. I think it's it'd be so not It'd be ridiculous to say that I hadn't. You've created a category. Like I right. can't stress that enough. So many roadblocks, so many yeah. days where things didn't go my way and problems or things that felt like mm. the end of the world at the time. And it's like what I've learned is now when things go 
things that go wrong, it just nothing bothers me anymore because mm. I'm like, well, mm. it's fine. There's always a solution is yeah. my new motto. But one of the craziest things that sticks out to me. So last year, 2021, yep. thick of lockdown, I was halfway through. Yeah, so I'd already been talking to Mecca for about almost six months and mm-hmm. they'd already kind of said like a loose yes, but it wasn't like a locked yes. yes. And I had to get the head of skincare over the line. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, she's incredible. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I was waiting to get a meeting with her. It kept getting delayed. Things push out, you know, COVID, of mm. course. And then I finally locked the meeting. During this period, my partner, mm. who have been together for 10 years mm-hmm. and, you know, he's the love of my life. But he was going through a major health problem. He had oh. to have open heart surgery. Good God. Yeah. In the thick of lockdown. Really stressful, This actually. is not where I saw this story. Yeah, sorry. Oh, my gosh. Have <laughs> I gone? Do not apologise. <laughs> I'm like, do you want to know the truth? Please. This is one of the craziest things that has happened. Oh, I love so the honesty. My, my partner's going through open heart surgery, which yeah. is extremely scary, of I course. I cannot even fathom. Right? Oh. And so that was, you know, its own challenge. Mm. I'm at this point trying to st- – I'm starting to open discussions to raising capital because yep. – I was exhausted working seven days and I really knew that I couldn't keep up my other day job yeah. and do what I'm doing. So I was in the thick of like building up mm. my data room, financial modeling, trying to work out who the right, you mm. know, p- first partners were and all that stuff, right? Then on top of it, I needed to get this head of skincare's tick of approval basically to be like, yes, okay, I'm mm. happy to launch Conserving Beauty. So my partner, it just so happened, my partner was having open heart surgery on this Monday and that was the day that I'd locked this meeting oh my God. after it had been moved, you know, several times. And I wasn't allowed to go to the hospital because it was the thick of lockdown yeah. and we weren't allowed to go in. Oh my God. And so I was like, what do I do? I've got to do the meeting. Yeah. Well, I mean, well there's honestly, nothing else I can do. You would have been sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Feeling sick yep. for sure. So yep. I remember getting on the call and being like, hello, you know, Team Eka. Oh my Please God. just know if my phone rings, I have to answer yeah. it because my partner is having open heart surgery right now. But I'm committed. I will present. Let's go through it. I think they looked at me like I was nuts for sure. I mean, I probably was for sure. Yeah. You know, that was but so stressful just getting through that period. And then. Um, oh, if you can do that, you can do just about anything. Right. I was like, wow, like life's just challenging and fitting things in and weaving through like, you know, lots of different challenges. And luckily the meeting went great. Yeah, <laughs> as we know. Like I'm sitting I don't know, maybe they felt bad hearing this story, but I'm like, I know it worked maybe. out. And then of course my partner, full recovery, yeah. he's doing amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. They so both know went as well. well. But at the time it was like the immense pressure oh. I felt. Yeah, it was insane. Oh my God. Insane. Well, my next question sounds <laughs> silly now, but we know it all worked out. You yes. launched in, I think, November 2021? November 26, 2021. Oh, my God. So end of – really end of last yeah. year, basically. Cleansing balm, facial oil, clay mask. Why yes. those specific three products? When I first started formulating, I thought, okay, well, what are the daily essentials yep. that people will actually use? And I really don't think my my brand will ever have, like, you know, three cleansers and 20 serum. It's just not who we are. I think let, we definitely go with the less is more approach mm-hmm. within both our formulas and just the products that we choose. And so I was like, right, you need something to take off your makeup. You're going to need a cleanser. So the cleansing balm was a no-brainer. Um, and our skin thrives off oils and mm. oil loves oil and it binds to makeup and takes it off perfectly. So cleansing balm was the first. Face oil, I wanted something that you could put under your SPF that was super lightweight, yes. non-greasy, hydrating, and that had actives in it that could help 
you know, reduce things like environmental aggressors, like urban pollution mm-hmm. and actually have like skin soothing benefits and just be like, you know. It's an all rounder. Yeah. And all, I literally like always say that that yeah. oil works hard. Yeah. <laughs> that oil works hard. Um, so the oil was a no brainer. And then I thought, well, we were in lockdown mm-hmm. and who didn't spend time masking? Oh my God. Who didn't? Almost daily. Right. Because it's just so much fun to treat yourself and like that ritual. What else was there to what do? What else was there to do? Right. Be crazy and start a brand. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, you know, I want to do a mask and not a typical clay mask, not one that goes dry and hard and doesn't mm-hmm. leave that, you know, dry tight feel. And that actually goes on really dewy and creamy, mm. almost moussey and would still do like a deep clean and also give you like a hit of hydration. So that was Amazing. The, that was the mask. Less than two months ago, you mm. launched the brand's fourth skew, which is where I've become completely obsessed. No, it was like obsessed. a month ago. Was it a m- oh No, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. It's been a hot minute. Okay, well, this is how obsessed <laughs> I am with them because I'm like, what was I doing before? Instamelt yeah. Deep Exfoliation Day Dissolvers. Yes. It needs the full name in it there. It does need the full name. Thank oh, you for giving it its moment. My pleasure. The world's first ever dissolving makeup wipes. I'm That's just going right. to let that Should we just give – yeah, in. we'll just let it have Oh, its my God. Traditional makeup wipes take – I think it's almost 100 years yep. to biodegrade. Mind-blowing. Mind Yours blowing. dissolve in water or if you, you know, have a lapse and forget that they dissolve in water, if you dispose of them just in the rubbish, mm-hmm. 14 days to 14 biodegrade. 14 days. I mean, if it's raining, see yeah. you later. But, yes, 14, we did the independent study and it was 14 days. 14 days compared yeah. to 100 years. Again, without revealing more than you can. No, of course I'll reveal. How? <laughs> oh, It's like, how long do we have, Gemma? All um, the time in the world. All the time in the world, if I haven't lost people already. So I, again, been very lucky to have always worked within supply chain. Yeah. We, about over a year ago, so start of 2021 at that point, I came across a group they're an innovation hub in Europe mm-hmm. and they were, they'd founded this technology of this fabric that ironically was dissolving in water, right? And they were using it in the medical wound care kind of space. They were doing yep. it for, you know, burn victims because it takes so many hours to redress and undress and how amazing if you could, you know, walk into the shower and all of the, um, you know, the bandages would dissolve yeah. basically. They were doing amazing wow. things in stoma care too for stool collection sampling mm-hmm. because um, – yeah, anyway, so yeah. the founder was brilliant. I, you'll laugh again. So when I first reached out to them through a mutual connection mm-hmm. that I knew in the packaging space, the founder was like, nope, sorry, can't meet with you. We're talking to a big beauty conglomerate and, you know, it's taken basically. And I thought, oh, bugger. That's a shame. Right? I was it? like, oh, bugger. And then my, my business partner, Fed, was like, are you kidding? Push back. Get a meeting. <laughs> Get a meeting. I was like, yep, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back and see what yep. I can do here. Push back. Can't even remember what I said. Apparently it was enough to score a meeting. So excited. And at that point I was just excited to use the solution because I thought, wow, imagine using that technology, merging it with our waterless formulation IP mm. and creating other solutions in the bathroom. So like yeah. makeup wipes, sheet masks, under eye masks, you know, body scrub mitts, the list kind of goes on. Mm. And I thought, even if I just get usage rights, like how amazing, right? Yeah. Through the meeting, we really connected on a deeper level. The founder is doing what he's doing, like 
to actually make a true impact in the world. Amazing. I mean, as am I, like we're not in it for a cash grab. If yeah. I was, oh, I wouldn't have gone down I impact. was about to say, you'd still be working no, 9 to 5. Yeah, I'd be working 9 to 5 and I wouldn't go down impact. It's no. extremely <laughs> expensive to run our research projects <laughs> and our non-for-profit partnerships yep. and make a local manufacturing supply chain. Mm. Everything we're doing is, you know, 10 times more expensive. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, and so we really hit it off on a deeper level and luckily for me, the conglomerate at the time was being a little challenging with their legal team. Mm-hmm. And we ended up through a very long negotiation, took probably nine months, yep. locking down the exclusive rights for beauty and personal care for the category. Amazing. In perpetuity, which is exciting. Yeah. And I think he really respects all the research and investment that we're putting in to, you know, managing our water footprint and our carbon mm. footprint. And so... There was kind of no better partner for him. And I'm so glad he made that decision because we've really formed a beautiful partnership and then we decided to launch the Makeup Wipe first. Mm. Pays to be nice, doesn't it? It does pay you, to be nice. If you were an asshole, you would not have right. got that meeting. Right, and I think people can see through when you're making decisions based on yeah. purpose. Yep. It really does come through in a negotiation too when you start to raise certain elements. It's like, what do you really care about, mm. right? It really speaks a lot about you through that dance and like how do you build yeah. relationships because the, again, like one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I've built so many special relationships mm. throughout my career and that's the true essence of everything. Like people work for people. Yes. People don't work for businesses. Yeah. So. I love that. Thank goodness. A comment that I, I know the answer to this one, but a comment that I've seen no, pop up online a bit is something to the tune of, Oh, but they're individually wrapped. Doesn't that defeat the purpose? And I get that sentiment. Right. The response that I've seen from yourself and from your team has been amazing. But for those who've missed it, can you explain why the wipes are wrapped this way? Yeah. And what makes those wrappings different? For sure. I mean, when I see comments like that. I love that people are asking and thinking. Absolutely love it. I think three Mm. things. My first thing is amazing because thank you for caring because so many people told me that what I'm doing is pointless because nobody would care so my the first thing I think about is amazing we're all in this together and we actually are all passionate about advocating for the planet Mm. thank you I literally like that's the first thing I think thank you love it the second thing I think is wow me and my team need to do some serious work on communicating because clearly we're not sharing enough about what it truly means to be a conscious brand and what we're actually doing throughout our entire supply chain Mm. to reduce our impact and reduce our water footprint carbon footprint and waste footprint yep because at the end of the day packaging is an interesting thing right the conversation in the beauty industry always comes back to packaging people Mm. think you know, sustainability or conscious beauty and automatically they think about packaging. They think a refill system or cycle packaging and that's the answer when in reality you're making decisions throughout the entire supply chain. Packaging is the last thing that you're left with and you've already impacted people, the community and the planet, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I go, we really need to do a better job at communicating what we're doing Mm -hmm. because there is so much more than just packaging. This fabric is truly unique and special and it ironically dissolves some water. By the way, you're supposed to dissolve it where you would already have a water footprint. Yes. So like shower, yeah. toilet, sink. Yeah. But how do you package it, right? How do you go and make sure that moisture and humidity, especially when you start shipping around the world, aren't going to degrade the fabric and by the time it receives, you know, at your door, how do you make sure that it's still intact? Yeah. And so – this is our first prototype. We decided through, you know, stability testing to start with our recyclable sachets. Mm-hmm. 
We've got two other things on stability testing. I've got a biodegradable home compostable solution that's wow. looking really promising. We're at finishing stability right now. Wow. Um, and then, of course, we're working on like a bulk refill system um, that will bring to life over time because Amazing. ideally that is what you would have. So the first prototype, we, we almost view it as like the travel solution, yep. right? You're coming home from work, going to the gym, traveling wherever yeah. you may be. And you want an easy, convenient makeup wipe on the go. And the recyclable sachet laminate that we source from Europe, mm-hmm. it's part of the circular flexible economy for packaging over there. Amazing. And so that recyclable sachet, is, it's not like a standard sachet because most standard sachets, they're made from aluminium wrapped in two different types of plastic. And mm-hmm. when you've got mis- mixed plastics, it's really hard to recycle. So ours is a pure PP. And by choosing it, we've been able to reduce our carbon emissions, our water footprint and our um, waste footprint and energy footprint. And so, you know, you can still recycle it. Yeah. Depending on where you are in the world, in Australia, New Zealand or the UK, which we are launching very shortly in. Mm, Everyone. Oh, sorry. I've just given you. No, I love um, it. But like depending on where you are, you know. You've just apologised for giving me some insight. I'm apologising for digressing. (laughs) But basically, yes, you can recycle the sachet and depending on where you are in the world. Always mm. check with your local council. Yeah, of course. We recommend in Australia to, you know, red cycle your yes. local Coles and Bullies or TerraCycle with your Mecca along with, mm. you know, your other beauty refill pouches yep. or your beauty products or whatever you're using. But, yeah, you yeah. can still recycle them. Amazing. On that, Conserving Beauty is the first Australian beauty brand to be backed by both government and impact investment funds. Right. This this blows my mind. Thank Everything you. you're doing does, but this is fascinating. <laughs> you're too kind to me, Gemma. <laughs> no, uh, credit where credit's due, honestly. Thank I would you. love to talk more about what that actually means. Yeah. Giant Leap is one of those investors which I found particularly interesting as they are the country's first 100% impact-focused fo- impact yes. venture capital fund. couple of questions. Yes. Firstly, what does that actually mean? Right. Well, funding's a whole other story. I don't know how much time you've got because I've gone through a few funding. This is this is the interesting part, though. Because oh, okay, let's get into it. Sure, okay, because I feel like I have to take a back step to then explain how amazing Giant Leap are. Go for it. So when um, I had the very first bit of capital, very small amount from my business partner Fed, Mm -hmm. I then needed to prove up more um, more with my research project, and I needed to lock down like my final product development and the contract with my dissolving wipes. And so I needed extra cash. So the foundry, the people who I worked with Mm -hmm. for many years, um, came in and did like a what's called a pre-seed round. Yes, they gave me the next bit of cash. Then six months later, I'd locked my dissolving technology. I'd locked Mecca at that point, so mm-hmm. I'd locked distribution, and I just knew I needed to go full time into my business. Yeah, and I was like, I can't do this anymore, and I need help because it's wild that you weren't already. I was by myself this entire time, yeah. solo act. Still had my full time job. I was working <sighs> down to like four days, three days, but still juggling both. And yeah. by the way, my other full time job, I had so much responsibility. Yeah, I mean the fact that they only took five of right, you, like they were like, oh, your three days is everyone else's five days. You're good to go. Like, don't worry about wonderful. it. Wonderful. Yeah, and like they knew the entire time that I was working yeah. on my business, which I think speaks a lot about who they are as people. That they were really supportive mm. because not everybody is like that. So very nope. lucky to have you know worked with people like Elle McPherson was one of them, and she was. Like, keep killing it, do amazing, go for it. Unreal. Unreal. She joined my board. That's a whole other story. Mm. 
Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, we can talk about my boards cool. in a minute. Yeah. Oh, but sorry, I'm like, I always digress. You There's just so much apologizing. <laughs> but anyway, so I started to think about, okay, well, I actually need to raise capital properly this yep. time and do a proper seed round. And how do I bring in people on the cap table mm. that will actually help me? Because yep. there's one thing to take growth capital, but there's another thing to have people that are truly invested in helping you reach your goals. Yes. Right. And I knew that the type of business that I have, because it's so rooted in impact and because we do so much in research and development with our, you know, our water footprint project and our partnership with sea trees and so many things, I was like, it's going to be more desirable to partner with people that are like-minded mm-hmm. and that are purpose-driven rather than profit-driven. Yes. So who are those were, people? If they were profit-driven, they'd be like, they probably oh, won't be interested. stop doing everything you're literally, doing. Literally. Literally. Someone did want – actually, you'll laugh. One investor said to me, I cannot believe you spent that much money on a water footprint research project. You should have put that into paid advertising. Okay. And I remember saying, you have no idea what I am doing. And Some we of should us not would be. like to live on a planet that right. is thriving. Right. And okay. I, literally. I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter how much paid advertising goes into a subs mm. par product that we don't need that nobody cares about. Yeah. So anyway, that's another story. Um, so I thought I need to really partner with brilliant, like-minded people. And who are they? Yep. They're impact funds. They are people that only back businesses that have a positive impact on the planet mm-hmm. that also over time give a sustainable good return financially. So I was like, impact funds are the way to go. Again, people at the time said to me, you're never going to get an impact fund. They don't do beauty. They usually do tech. Yeah. Or rarely do they go down like a consumer goods kind of pathway. Yeah. Usually it's more like a tech or a software platform or whatever. And I was like, put me in front of them, please. Anyone, Mm -hmm. anyone. So I started, you'll probably laugh again, at the start of this year. So 2022, I decided I'm going to do a proper raise, quit my job. Mm -hmm. And I got COVID and I was extremely sick. Yeah. Through that period, though, decided to create my data room and do oh, of the fun. Did. Of course, I did. Like, I'm nuts. I don't know what I was thinking. So, like, going to meetings, like, on Zoom, pitching myself, yeah. like, leaving, going to bed because I was exhausted and so sick. Um, yeah, nuts. And then I was lucky to have met Giant Leap. They were one of the mm. first people I met. From the very first meeting, they just got it, right? Oh, they just that. got it. And the team is so so incredible and actually willing to sit there and help me and they love the idea of setting impact metric targets so that we can actively show our community how much Mm. water we save how much carbon we save how much waste we've reduced and they're really helping me shape that so very very lucky to partner with giant leap they're Mm. brilliant another impact one that we partner with they're called alberts and yes they're equally brilliant Mm. very special family they're actually historically from the the music industry there were the people mm. behind like acdc and strictly ballroom brilliant no brilliant biggie. right and then the family has you know put so much into impact and they're kind of mm. backing the next wave of entrepreneurs who are really trying to make a difference so another special um moment was getting their tick of approval very mm-hmm. lucky then the foundry who i've worked with for years they're now called era ventures yes of course i wanted to remain working with them because they're such special people and they've always supported me mm-hmm. so of course i wanted to you know keep working with them because they really believed in yeah. me so that's amazing then i was lucky to have come across um a government fund called the alice fund mm-hmm. and they back women only in life sciences or tech and wow. Which is 
amazing. Yeah. And they kind of come in as part of that. And because of my science background mm. and our technology with our dissolving wipes, we fit into that category. So very lucky to amazing. have them. And then I've got another woman who's brilliant. Her name is Rachel Kelly. And yeah. she was one of the executives at Afterpay. Right. And so she I comes in. This. Yeah, yeah. And she comes in with kind of that whole retail landscape. She's a wizard. Amazing. She's a true wizard. Every time I catch up with her, I'm like, oh my God, you are so smart. Oh. Please let me write down everything. <laughs> this is a broad question as well. But yeah. for anyone who is thinking about starting their own business, whether that's in beauty or otherwise, mm. what advice can you offer on physically finding investors? Like, how mm. do you go about it? Well, I, it's really hard, by yeah. the way. And by the way, it's really hard to raise money. Anybody oh, that makes it look it. like easy, it was so hard to raise money. Yeah. Because you go down the road of like, A, it's uncomfortable to pitch yourself. And yes. you're basically telling people, back me in my idea and I promise I'll make it happen and I'll promise I'll give you a huge financial return. Yeah. Hello, I would like some money. Right? It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. And by the way, 2% of global funding goes to female entrepreneurs. 2%. 2%. If you took oh, that and that asked. Is harrowing. Oh, it's insane. And then if you look at that as a number and go, right, how many of those women are under 30? Oh. It'd be like 0. 0.0000. So yeah. I'm already, like the odds are against me. Yes. Right? The odds are against yeah. me. And by the way, it sounds like I just was such an easy process. I pitched to so many other people that said no. Oh, I can imagine. Right. Yeah. I'm sure they're kicking themselves now, but that's okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're not going to be right for everybody. Where I was fortunate was that because I did a bit of a stint in private equity, I had some relationships. Yep. But my board was actually incredible for opening some doors. So yeah. that they get you, like some of them, like one of my board members, Kerry Lee, she's brilliant. She mm-hmm. was, she had her own startup, sold it to Microsoft, Uber successful. Wow. Yeah, amazing career, amazing career. Again, extremely smart. She made some introductions to, you know, introduce me to the mm-hmm. funds. But just because you get introduced doesn't oh, yeah. mean that you're, that you're getting in. One fund said to me, oh, to be honest, Natasia, we were not excited meeting you. We thought, great, another young, you know, blonde girl that's in beauty. And we weren't excited. We kind of took the meeting as a favour. And turns out you're actually the most impressive founder we've met out of the 500 that we've met with. So it was a backhanded compliment. I was about to say, yeah, it was a backhanded compliment. It ended on a lovely note, but right. was the first part yeah. really necessary? Yeah. And so, no, probably not. But, you know, you're faced with a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of judgment, but that's okay. But, yeah, what would I say of my advice Honestly, trying to find people within your network, within your industry Mm. that can help guide and mentor you because at the end of the day, we all need help and we all need help from brilliant people who have done it before. So if you can connect with even just fellow founders and share Mm. stories or, you know, somebody that you really admire in the industry for advice, I think that is the first thing I would do and build a network of brilliant people around you because- it's really lonely being a founder. It's yeah, really lonely okay. raising money. It's exhausting, right? Nobody yeah. cares as much as you do and you're the one that's working seven days to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And you can have amazing family members backing you and around you, but it's still lonely. Yep, because they're not in it with you. Right, and like nobody feels the pressure. Like there's not one day I don't think about the, the immense responsibility that I've taken by taking the investment and mm. I take it so seriously and I will do whatever it takes to make it happen because I will not let those people down that have yeah. backed and believed in me. But God. there's, a, you know, there's immense pressure that comes with that. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the board. Oh, yeah. 
You're really getting it all out of me, by the way. Yeah. These are things I have not told anyone. It's fantastic. So, again, I've been very fortunate to work with so many brilliant people mm. throughout my career and I wouldn't be where I am without their mentorship. And I thought when setting up my business, how do I keep these people on board to help yeah. me? And how cool would it be to be surrounded by brilliant women because mm-hmm. I've seen the behind the scenes of so many boardrooms that are pretty oh. much always men yeah. with one token woman. There's a, a particularly with beauty there. People oh, yeah. think like, oh, the beauty industry, like how cool to be in a no. real female driven industry. I'm like, okay, well. Backed the, by men. Yeah. Male boardroom. Yeah. One of my, <laughs> my business partner always jokes, she's like pale male and stale. Yeah. Like it's just a joke. But yeah. There's Nothing <laughs> wrong with men, by the way. We have amazing male oh, yeah. investors. They're but, wonderful, but right. it certainly makes things more difficult when you're a woman in business. Right, and you're marketing products to mostly females. Yeah. Not all females. Our products are definitely unisex. But, you know, how do I create yeah. How do I create a board that's actually got brilliant female mm. founders and entrepreneurs yep. that have been through it that can help me, yeah. right? So I was like, I'm going to have an all-female board. It might not be all female forever, but it definitely is right now. Yeah. And I want independent thinkers that are not my investors on my board because they'll really understand what I'm doing and be in the nitty gritty with me mm. and actually be hands on. So yep. who is that? Who who do I, where do I start? Right. Oof. My business partner, Fed, she's our exec chair. Her yeah. entire background. I mean, she's got a fascinating career. Started her career at 30 and she's now one of like the high power execs in funds and on wow. lots of beauty businesses. And she's brilliant. Um, so she's one. Then I thought, you know what? Elle McPherson has been nothing but an amazing mentor to me and she has invested a lot of time teaching me things. Amazing. We worked really closely at Wellco. I was kind of her right hand for a few mm. years and she gets it as a female founder. So why not ask her, right? Yeah. I asked her thinking more often than not, she was going to say no. But right? I just wanted to ask anyway because yeah. you don't ask, you don't get. I mean, the thread here seems to be like just don't be afraid to ask. Oh, you always got to ask. Mm. That's like the biggest life lesson, don't ask, don't get. Yeah. But anyway, so I asked Elle, I said, you know, you've mentored me and taught me so many brilliant things. Would you want to come on the journey and be part of Conserving Beauty? She was honoured. She was so excited. Mm-hmm. I was I was definitely more excited, but she was <laughs> excited. Um, so Elle joined our board too, which is amazing because wow. she doesn't really do things no. unless they're hers. Yeah. But she's had so many successful She's got businesses. a lot on her plate. Right. And she pioneered and disrupted an entire category. She was like one of the first people to be the supermodel to then turn into an actual yes. business owner. Yeah. So I'm like, well, she's a fellow disruptor. How cool. Mm-hmm. Got Elle. Then I met a woman. Her name is Tracy Maddock. She's mm-hmm. an Oxford fellow. She's in the UK. She worked with Victoria and David Beckham for like 15 years. Wow. Yeah. She has incredible experience, a lot of blockchain and AI. Yeah. And works with Barbara Sturm super closely as oh, one of her advisors. Friend of the show. Right. So I thought, again, no better person to have than Tracy. Yeah. Very lucky. I was so excited when Tracy said yes. I often <sighs> think like if I was going to come back in life and be someone, I feel like Tracy, definitely. Um, so she said yes. And then Kerry Lee, who I just mentioned yes. before, she had her own startup, sold it to Microsoft when she was my age, un, you know, under 30 Ooh. guys. Very impressive. Yeah. And has worked in, she's Microsoft. Canadian. Yeah. And she's worked in, you know, head of impact investing. And in so she'd be lovely as well. All Canadians are lovely. The nicest people. Mm. I mean, the, the, all it's, of them are. All of the women that are around me are mm. extremely kind. Um, so there's the four of them right now. We're still looking for a fifth person. Amazing. I'm just trying to find the right 
the right yeah. fit there. But yeah, at the moment, I'm very lucky to have these incredible people helping me. Oh, yeah, that's like a dream dinner party. It actually yeah. is. If you want to come for dinner next I'll time? I'll make it happen. Wonderful. <laughs> you have been part of the beauty industry since 2015, give or take. Yeah. Over the last few years, what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen within the beauty industry? So many. I think first and foremost, we're now seeing a lot more female founders come to life and really kind of drive indie niche categories, which I think is pretty amazing. There are some awesome people out there doing brilliant things. I think seeing elements of conscious beauty come to life whether that be you know different packaging choices or carbon footprints or not using palm oil whatever it may Uh be I think seeing that being now at the forefront is amazing I really do I think it's awesome like more conscious brands that come to life the better we can help grow the category together absolutely I think we're seeing the rise of indie brands I really do yes I mean, there's been a lot of celebrity brand launches. Yes, there has been a number of years. them. And, yeah. you know, that fits its own category. Yeah, do but a it, whole bonus app on that a lot. Right. I'm like, that fits its own category. I won't even get into that. Yeah. But I do think there are some people that are really making it happen. Mm. And I think the rise of the cool indie brands that are doing things differently and disrupting in their own ways is amazing Mm. I really do because they're the people that are actually going to help make change and they're the brands that the big conglomerates are going to end up acquiring and hopefully they can teach them a thing or two of how you actually run an ethical supply chain Mm. and how you actually can put people before profit yeah right I think that's incredible on that what changes do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry over the next few years I definitely think people are actually going to have to start reporting on impact properly yeah I really do. I think in the era of like greenwashing claims, right? Like mm, when people say, you I know, have so many thoughts. Right, on that. I have so many thoughts on let's that. We should do a leaf on the front of a bottle and right. go to that. Yeah, like let's do a bonus app on that. Yeah. But when you say things like, you know, sustainably sourced, what does that mean, right? Can you tell me exactly where your ingredients come mm. from? Because when brands used to pitch to us, you know, in my previous job, they'd say things like, "Oh, we're sustainably sourced," and I'd be like, what "How amazing!" No, I'd be like, "How amazing!" Where where are your farm gates? Don't know. Okay, well, then you're not sustainably sourced Mm. because you actually have no visibility over your supply chain. So I think putting tangible numbers to things are really going to help drive choice with our community. And I think people really want to see that from brands. Mm. Like, you know, we pride ourselves on our research projects. We want to show how much water we've saved, carbon we've sequestered, you know, waste we've reduced. Actively put tangible numbers on things and measure and report on it rather than just give a lofty claim of like, oh, we're sustainably sourced. Mm. You were nominated for CEO Magazine's 2021 Startup Executive of the Year Award, Mm. a Seven News Young Achiever Award for Environmental Sustainability. And as we touched on before, your brand is the first beauty brand in the world to join the Water Footprint Network. Mm -hmm. My final question is what is next? So many things. (laughs) So many things are next. By the way, thank you for that. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I, you know, just got a bit of a shout out. I'm blushing. But um, no, I think it's I think we're doing so many things. So we're launching a new product in a couple of weeks. Yes. Which is an extension of our Instamelt technology. Yes. Very excited to launch that. Um, we are gonna publish our water footprint research and start actively showing how much water we've saved. Phenomenal. Which I think is amazing. 
And then over time, we're working on a blockchain solution so that we can actually give 100% traceability of our entire supply chain Mm. to our community. So you guys can come on our website and follow along and actually see how the product's been made, where it's been made, what ingredients we use, what their water footprint was and the carbon footprint. And I think that's going to be truly special and set the brand apart from really giving validation of how much we're doing in impact and how much we invest in time and resources to do that and make active change. That was Natasia Nicolau, founder and CEO of Conserving Beauty, which you can find on Instagram at Conserving Beauty. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.